From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. And welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler, hang your cloak on a peg, grab a stool, and come warm yourself by the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. Toxic chemical geoengineering, chemtrails. Uh, coming up in hour one of this transmission. Hour two, this should be fun. The science of Star Trek. First of all, let me introduce the boys in the band on the Flying V Gibson guitar, my technical producer, Ian Robertson. Ian, always a pleasure. On the Rickenbacker bass guitar and occasionally the theremin, story producer, Albert Vinzel. And on the Hammond B3 feature producer, live YouTube stream producer, Ryan White. Gentlemen, uh, welcome all. Uh, my first guest is a postdoctoral geochemist who, for the, fa- for the last four years, has uh, dedicated his efforts to discovering the composition and adverse environmental and public health effects of covert geoengineering, which, since about 2010, he says, has become a near-daily, near-global activity. I hear about this all the time. People are constantly uh, writing me from around North America, though the world, really, emails, with... Um, chemtrail reports and uh, he's about to reveal the hidden truth about chemtrails what on earth are they spraying and why he says that since at least 1958 the military has engaged in spraying particles into the air presumably to study weather modification these activities were sporadic in time and location but about 2010 things started to ramp up during the obama administration The aerial spraying of particulates became a near-daily activity across North America, the European Union, the British Commonwealth, and other countries including China, Egypt, India, Russia, perhaps others. And this was a covert activity with denial and disinformation seemingly coordinated at all levels of government. No information was made available on the particle compositions sprayed into the air we all breathe and no information on potentially adverse health risks. J. Marvin Herndon, Ph.D., is an American interdisciplinary scientist. He's disclosed a different understanding of the nature of Earth's formation and internal composition and demonstrated the feasibility of a planet-centric nuclear fission reactor as an energy source and production mechanism for the geomagnetic field. He is the author of Herndon's Earth and the Dark Side of Science. His website is nuclearplanet.com. Marvin, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? I'm good, and thank you for inviting me, Richard. I'm eager to share with your audience a, a few things that might answer the questions you ask about what is being sprayed. My pleasure. It seems to me we had you on this program, it must be almost seven, eight years ago. I don't know if you remember. It was, yes, I do remember, and I, it was a delightful interview. You, you, you're good at it. Well, thank you, and it's great to have you back. All right, so, you know, we talk, obviously, a lot about chemtrails on this, on this program, uh, and as I mentioned off the top, I, I continue to get, certainly every month, maybe even twice a month, I'll get an email, someone sending me a picture of these um, chemtrails, 
and I don't believe they're contrails, condescension, 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 condensation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they con- well, that, that they actually con- might not be an, <laughs> an inappropriate word either. Well, that's what the mainstream media refers to them. Yeah, condens. Uh, anyway, condensation trails. I don't believe there. There's something else going on here, but uh, oh, there's something very definitely going wrong. And you know what's what's curious here is the name of your program, hmm. conspiracy show. Uh, the you probably are well aware that. Back at uh, just after um, uh, President Kennedy was assassinated, yes, the CIA uh, started using the term conspiracy theory. That's right. To discredit people. Yeah, and uh, they they certainly are doing that heavily with respect to the to the spraying. Well, people are frustrated because they will they will call, let's say, Transport Canada, or they'll call the airport, or they'll call the the newsroom, the TV, the radio station, and they are met with uh, condescent, condescent, condescent. <laughs> oh, boy, I'm having a <laughs> no, trouble no, with this. No, no, I know exactly what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, they're they're con- yeah they're being very condescending. They're being very okay. condescending. Well, let me let me say where where the the real problem is is the scientific community especially the geoscience people, they are being inherently dishonest. I mean, science, appropriately applied, is all about discovering the true nature of the Earth and the universe and how they behave. Uh, There's no room for lying and misrepresenting and not telling the full truth in science because you can't progress if you do that. But almost universally, the geoscientists, even the ones that study the atmosphere and can take samples and can make measurements, they're silent. And they just produce the same chant over and over, global warming due to carbon dioxide that we breathe out. We've got to do something about it in the future. Well, the geoengineering has been going on for a long, long time with ever-increasing frequency and duration and intensity. Well, is that what's going on? Because, you know, they have these geoengineering conferences and they talk about in the future we may have to in that, order to force... You could fertilize a garden with that. Exactly. But they I'm say... i telling we, you. Yeah, that's sort of theory one, that they are forestalling global warming by uh, spraying these aluminum particulates to reflect the sun. Well, let me start out by telling you what I know. Okay. First of all, about myself, as a young man, I gave a lecture with a couple of very distinguished professors in the room, and they invited me to spend three years as a postdoctoral apprentice just learning from them and doing whatever research I wanted to do. Now, I didn't even need the money at the time. I had postdoctoral support elsewhere. But, I mean, one uh, these were famous people from masters who had learned from masters. And so I, I did learn from these masters, and I learned how to make discoveries, and I learned about what constitutes real science. And uh, so I've, I've made numbers of discoveries people can look at on, on my website that the geoscience community pretends I never made. They just continue on with their uh, 40-year-old storyline. Uh, but when I started seeing the spraying on a, on a near-daily basis, it worried me because this is not 
contrails, ice crystals. Yeah, I live in San Diego, California. And I mean, the air is dry. It's warm, relatively speaking. Uh, and modern day uh, fan jets just don't make contrails in that kind of environment. And there weren't previously, very rarely. But uh, these were particles, tiny particles. Now, if you look in the, the medical literature, in the um, epidemiological literature, you find that, that there's been a lot of studies of the adverse consequences of particle pollution. These are fine particles, like uh, less than two and a half micrometers across. And this is what they're being, they're spraying, particles that are less than two and a half micrometers across because they have to be small in order to stay up in the air for some reasonable length of time. They don't stay up there long, though, because otherwise they wouldn't have to keep spraying every day, day after day. Right. Uh, and, and the epidemiological literature says, you know, what can happen is this can cause lung cancer, it can cause chronic lung problems, it can cause male infertility. You can get cardiac problems. It can cause early uh, uh, low birth rate, uh, low birth weight. In other words, children being born with smaller than they should have otherwise. Right. But what are these particulates? Uh... Ah, well, this is this is this is what I. Well, first of all, all of these so-called non-scientists in the community that are concerned. They they made uh, uh, they took water samples and had them analyzed, and often they just analyze for one thing or request one thing: aluminum. Right, right. And we hear that Sometimes over and over barium again. Barium also, and occasionally strontium. Yes. Well, so they thought, well, this is what they're spraying: is this is aluminum or barium or strontium? That's not what they're spraying. Generally speaking, what they're spraying is coal fly ash this is the stuff that in western nations is too toxic to be allowed to exit the smokestacks of coal burning utilities it's trapped coal fly ash yeah see when when coal burns to to produce heat to make electricity for example the heavy ash settles and the light ash, which really condenses in the hot vapors above the, the burner, uh, is very fine. It also contains a concentration of the most toxic elements in the coal, mercury, chromium, uh, radioactive elements, cadmium. I could go on and on. I mean, this is bad stuff. And it's very fine particles, and it's mandated that it be trapped so here is a source of material that's a waste product right that the 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 contractors to the military or uh, government agencies can obtain from the coal burning utilities at very low cost that's almost ready to 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 be sprayed out now i mean they might want to add some additives so they don't the particles don't stick together or things like that but but it's a world of difference than taking a rock and crushing it down to a dust that's uh, that's uh, uh, micron and sub micron in size. 
Well, how is this what they've been spraying since 1958, or is this something new since, as you say, 2010? Well, I don't know for sure what they have been spraying since 1958, but I suspect it's the same thing. Because, you know, the way technology works, you develop a technology, a methodology for doing something, and you just improve it, and you keep improving it. And since this was developed by the military, and the military has no moral uh, integrity at all when it comes to to human health, even the health of, of the people in, in your own country. Dr. Herndon, I've got to take a time out just to stay with us. We'll come back and continue to talk about toxic chemical geoengineering with Dr. Marvin Herndon. The book Herndon's Earth and the Dark Side of Science, the website nuclearplanet.com. Back with more in a moment of The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Where there's smoke, there's The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. Dr. J. Marvin Herndon is with us. We're talking about evidence of coal fly ash, this toxic chemical geoengineering program that's been going on in the troposphere uh, and the consequences for public health. So um, how do you... How do you attest for this? Are you are you analyzing rainwater? Are you trapping the the, the dust in in a filter? How are you f- analyzing it? Well, actually, several ways. Uh, the coal fly ash is formed in a in an alien environment, in the hot gases above the burner, and so when you take this material and you expose it to water, elements leach out. They, some of the elements dissolve into the water in part. Now, uh, people have measured this. There's a, a group in Spain that measured 38 different elements. Uh, they exposed the coal fly ash to water for 24 hours and then measured the elements in the distilled water. And so what I did was I compared their results with the rainwater results. Now, so far, um, I have uh, quite a few more than the three elements. Uh, now I'm up to about uh, uh, 10 or 11 uh, routinely measured. Uh, so that's, that's the most important indication. Uh, I've also found that, that, that snow traps those particles and brings it down. And then when the snow begins to melt, the particles become free and they may stick on to something right below the snow. And this we found in um, what's what's called snow mold in uh, Michigan. We, we measured it. And, and so th- this, uh, this coal fly ash that is in the rainwater, in the snow, there's no way that that would come out of a of a coal-fired uh, plant from the stacks uh, if you're downwind from it. That that stuff is is not to be found in a coal-fired plant. So this is being sprayed into the troposphere, correct? This is being sprayed into the troposphere. It's being sprayed in a in a in a major way. And how how do, how do you know in an unscientific way that I'm correct? Good question. Well, yeah. That is a good question. Well, I published two public health papers which revealed this information and the public health 
matters. These papers were reviewed, uh, peer-reviewed, and published in the scientific literature, the public health literature. And then a team of disinformation agents literally assaulted the editor in the journal with lies and uh, misinformation and probably told them things that um, convinced them that they should retract the paper without ever giving me a chance to respond to those lies. Do we know who these individuals were? I know a couple of names, yes. But you're not prepared and, to... And at some point, believe me, uh, they, this, this information will become known to... Can you, can you give us the name of the journal where your paper was to be published? Well, it's actually, if you go to, to my website... NuclearPlanet.com? Planet Let me explain the website just briefly. The, the first, it's a simple website, you just scroll down. Uh, the first section is just uh, biographical. The second section is called Ongoing Coal Fly Ash Toxic Chemical Geoengineering. And there I have links to uh, the papers that have been published. Uh, I have links to the misrepresentations in the scientific literature. I have uh, links to other things related, including the, the, um, the unwarranted retraction of those of those papers so you people could just go there and click on them and, and see for themselves exactly what is happening there's also something else I might I might mention in that second section there's one line of type that's in in green color green and this is a series of music videos uh, they're short but they're scientifically precise. I, I wrote the lyrics to those, and they're good, too. You know what? That's brilliant. That's the way to get the information to the masses. The other way is through comic books. <laughs> I'm sorry to say, but... Uh... I, don't, don't listen. If I, if, I, if I were an artist, I would do that. And, in fact, I've, I've often thought about, uh, for my own science, uh, presenting it as comic books. Uh, but, I, you know, I, you got to be an artist, and it's hard to find an artist that you can work with. All I right. did find a couple of um, very talented um, uh, singers who, who had their own um, band support, background support. All right. So again, that's nuclearplanet.com. I want to get back to the, the spraying here for a moment. First okay, of all... Well, what, let me say one thing about yes. the spraying. Yes. If I weren't correct about this, they would just have ridiculed me. But to go to the journals and to coerce the editors to remove those papers. Now, only about 1 in 15,000 papers gets retracted. Published, peer-reviewed papers gets retracted. And it's, it's usually because of fraud or because somebody tried to publish the same paper more than once. Mm. Uh, this is, so this is highly unusual, but it tells you something. It tells you that the people who ordered the spraying know very well that this stuff is terrible for human health. All right. So these, this spraying is, are these tanker jets? Are they the, the, the big military transport planes? What, what is the actual uh, delivery system here? Well, I, I have no doubt that the tanker jets are involved. I have some evidence, and I, and I don't have, it's not clear enough. 
a, a, a retired pilot told me that that he uh, watched planes, and I, I guess you can get some sort of an app for your phone that where you can identify planes that have transponders. And uh, he was noticing that commercial jets from certain places spray trails. And some certain places like Russia, they do not. And his, uh, his thought was that uh, perhaps they're adding something to the, to the jet fuel at some distribution center. Ah, you see that, you see, that's always been a, um, confusing to me because, and this goes back to those that they have always contended that it's aluminum particulates. Because if you were to allow, if you were to, uh, mix aluminum particulates into the jet fuel and run that through the engine, I'm not a mechanic, uh, but I would think, you know, that's going to be very detrimental to the smooth running operation of a jet engine. You can't run aluminum particulates through a jet engine, can you? Um, well, I don't know, but these aren't aluminum particulates. No, no, you're saying it's coal it's, fly it's, ash. It's coal fly ash. It's, right. Uh, it's, it's, it's got all sorts of things in there. Including I mean, some uh, heavy metal, though, correct? Oh, it's heavy metals, it's got iron, it's got magnetite. Incidentally, I'll tell you something new that I haven't told anybody yet on the air. Uh, I, I, for a long time, I've been the only scientist that has spoken out about the spraying. Um, back in 2016, I was joined by a public health physician. Uh, he's the uh, medical director for the Florida Public Health Service for Monroe County. That's where Key West is. And we've published uh, a couple of papers that, that are mentioned uh, on this website. Well, we just got another paper accepted that uh, in a medical journal that will be coming out very soon. The title of it is Coal Fly Ash Aerosol Risk Factor for Lung Cancer. Mm. This is serious stuff. Now, you know yourself from historical times, I mean, people smoked like chimneys, not realizing that that the, many of them were going to get lung cancer 20 or 30 years in the future. Right. It's something that happens. And I'm afraid that if this does not stop, the spraying does not stop, it's going to lead to a pandemic of lung cancer 20 or 30 years from now. And that's just one of the adverse consequences. Are there radioactive elements? Oh, there are. Uranium, thorium, and all of their daughter products. Uh, this is this is dealt with in this uh, paper that will be coming out probably in the next couple of weeks, I, I imagine. Uh, it's actually been provisionally published, but um, and I suppose somebody could search for it. I don't have a link handy. Okay, so we need to find out then the why here. Uh, is it uh, is it uh, weather modification? Is it uh, depopulation? What why are they spraying? Well, I, uh, let me let me say that um, I, I think there's something for everybody here. Uh, the, the UN wants to gain control. They want to expand their sphere of influence. And this is all being driven, I think, by the United Nations and their their IPCC and the secret agreements they have uh, through that uh, through that organization. And the 4,500 scientists who lie through their teeth uh, and and don't tell the full truth. 
so the UN wants to expand this. They want to cause Western nations, the principal burners of fossil fuel, to pay reparations to other nations. They want to be able to control the economies of other nations. Oh, I get that, but how does aerialized or um, rather um, well, uh, aerosolized they're particulates... They're going to blame it, all of these things on global warming produced by fossil fuel burning. This is the biggest scam, scientific-based scam, ever perpetrated. So that's that's at the, the real basis. Now, there, the military is an eager participant for the following reasons. The military wants to control the weather. And they, the military, as I, as I mentioned, they, they have no moral responsibility for the health of humans. I mean, it's atrocious what they did in their nuclear programs. I mean, when their big agenda was nuclear warfare. I mean, they did horrific things. They fed radioactive iron to pregnant women yes under the guise of vitamins they injected one week old babies with radioactive iodine they exposed school children to radioactive sources that were planted around the room and that's not the whole story these are monsters because they have no human values not even for their own countrymen. I mean, this is disgusting. So th- these aerosolized particulates serve two purposes. One, they're trying to modify the weather in order to increase global temperatures and then blame it on fossil fuels, when in fact it is the coal fly ash in the troposphere that's trapping the heat. Let me clarify. The military wants to control where things are hot, where they're cold, where storms occur. Sure, owning the weather by 2025. That's what they want to do. Yeah. What they are, in fact, doing is they are spraying this matter. We see this in California, right off the coast of California. The particulate matter, the coal fly ash, one of the things it does, and pollution will do the same thing, it keeps the little tiny droplets of water from coagulating, getting big enough to fall to earth. So it impedes the fall of rain until the air gets so saturated that you then have downpours and storms. So what the consequence of the spraying is, number one, it, it retards the fall of rain. It blocks some sunlight, but it also absorbs sunlight, and that heat is transferred to the air molecules, so it warms the air. Another thing it does Earth has to lose all of the heat that it receives from the sun. Otherwise, we would become a planet like Venus and cook. The particulates retard heat loss from the Earth. So it causes global warming. Uh, It also has adverse effects on, on agriculture, on on bees, on insects, just about all life on Earth is damaged by this. In fact, one of the one of the most toxic substances known to man is mercury, mm-hmm. and and there have been regulations that that uh, limit the amount of mercury that can be used in in industrial processes and and so forth, and very seriously limited that. 
And so one might think that uh, the mercury that's observed in the air would have decreased over time. And it hasn't. It's increased. And the reason, we believe, is the coal fly ash. Coal fly ash has a lot of mercury in it. And, uh, in fact, that's one of the, the big concerns people have, that, that the reason that stuff is trapped. Because it, now, um, this is being done pretty much worldwide. You mentioned India, yes. Egypt, China, Russia, North America, Europe. Yes. Uh, so... I mean, we're not talking about a a government, uh, you know, the military run by the United States. We are talking about obviously entities that have no uh, no loyalty to the nation state. We're talking about well, you mentioned the United Nations, and the question yeah, is a globalist agenda. A global. All right, we'll take a time. I'll come back, Doctor J. Marvin Herndon, talking about geoengineering. We'll open up the phone lines as well for questions and comments. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Big Brother is listening, and so are you, to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Coming up in the next hour, Dr. Ethan Siegel with The Science of Star Trek. That should be fun. Next week on the program, Masonic Architecture and uh, Dr. Cass Ingram uh, will be here. And we'll talk about uh, the power of a wild oregano extract uh, for battling things like a flu, etc. Right now, uh, Dr. Marvin Herndon is with us, and we're talking about geoengineering, toxic chemicals um, that are being uh, used and mixed into, by all accounts, uh, jet fuel. Uh, now, this has to be done, I suppose, at the source. Uh, that's why, you know, people often wonder, where are the whistleblowers? Why aren't these pilots coming forward? Maybe they don't know. If it's being mixed into the jet fuel at the source... It goes into passenger jets. Uh, that might explain why no one's coming forward and talking about this. What do you think? That's light likely the case. I think I think that there's uh, a, an effort to distribute this material, whichever way it can be distributed, put into the air, and this is really horrific. Now, it, it must be an international secret agreement. That's that that has to be the case, and and uh, this this to me is 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 offensive. I mean, oh, it's no beyond has beyond. The right this is to poison the air we breathe. This is genocide. It it is it, it is worse. I mean, Adolf Hitler never did this. Uh, what are the, some of the other the uh, the possible adverse health effects? Is there any connection between? Uh, the uh, the the, uh, f- the coal fly ash and things like we're seeing you know uh, uh, escalating cases of autism spectrum disorder. <laughs> it's, I'm chuckling because I have with my physician friend a another paper that's in the process of being reviewed, and so I can't say much about it. Except that if you were to replace the the term risk factor for lung cancer with neurodegenerative disease, that's the subject. Oh yes, and this is terrible. I mean, this is this is worse than anybody could even imagine. So this is where the autism epidemic is coming from. Well, I, I won't say it's coming entirely from this. I, I wouldn't surprise me if the vaccines are, are not uh, a large part of it. But, yes, autism, 
Parkinson's disease, Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's, and and just forms of dementia. And there was a scientific article published uh, a couple of years ago where people have found in the past they found magnetite, which is Fe three O four. It's an iron oxide particles in human brains of people who have dementia. But this article showed something very unique because in magnetite that, that forms in the human brain, it's like a crystal form. What these researchers found were spheres, very tiny spheres. Now, coal fly ash, when it forms in the vapors, the hot vapors above the burner, it condenses in the shape of spheres that are held together by the surface tension of the liquid. If you take a look at a magnification view of coal fly ash, it's mostly spheres, and some of them very, very, very tiny. So somehow these spherical particles, which don't form in the body naturally, got into the brain, which they could do by getting into the lungs, into the bloodstream, or through the nasal passages. But this is terrible stuff. I mean, we're talking about destroying human life. And it's even worse than just human life. We're destroying our planet. I mean, recently, uh, the studies have come out and shown that the insect populations yes. have been reduced by about three-fourths. That's the same kind of consequence that can happen from the coal fly ash or from the consequences of the coal fly ash. And there's a lot more. We're still working on getting the word out for the other things. So if, if we come back in touch in maybe six months, we'll have even more horror stories All right, that let's, are based on very serious real science. Let me uh, grab a call here. Jim is in Ohio for Dr. Marvin Herndon. Go ahead, Jim. Good evening from Toledo, Ohio. Hi there. I-75 between here and Detroit about halfway. In Monroe, Michigan, we have a Detroit Edison 800-megawatt coal-fired plant with all the so-called scrubbers on it, but they have a huge fly ash pit right between I-75 and Lake Erie, and I just wondered if I could chase, the, if there's being trucked away, the fly ash being trucked away, if we could ever chase the trucks down and see where they're going. That's an excellent well, that, idea. that's actually a very good thing to do and to document that because it would be interesting to see where they're going. Now, the whole government mechanics has been co-opted to be part of this thing. In 2014, coal fly ash was coming to be in its final form to be regulated by the EPA. And everybody thought, rightly so, that it would be regulated as a toxic waste product. No, it was regulated as bulk waste, which means it could be dumped in landfills, it could be dumped in rivers. Well, I think you could say with reasonable certainty the reason they made that decision is because they didn't want to be accused of spraying toxic waste in the air above us. Weren't they using it uh, in a filler for uh, concrete and also using it as a sub-base underneath concrete roads? Yes, they are, and some of those things will will inevitably come back to haunt people. In some instances, they're actually using it as fertilizer. Oh, my and, word. And there was a, there was a story in, uh, I want to say, uh, Mother Earth, about some 
agricultural investigator making routine inspections of some leafy green vegetable in California, I think, and found high levels of thallium. Thallium's a terrible poison. Mm. And uh, they traced it back to the fertilizer he was using, which was coal fly ash, or mostly coal fly ash. Jim in Ohio, thank you for the call. Dr. Herndon, you hold on. We'll take a time out, come back. We are literally swimming in this stuff. Breathing it, eating it, it's everywhere. We'll uh, pick it up on the other side with Dr. J. Marvin Herndon, Geoengineering, again, the website, nuclearplanet.com. Back with more in a moment. PIN numbers, passcodes. If they make you wonder how private they are, here's two more numbers. 416-360-0740 or toll-free at 1-866-740-4740. Welcome back. I've always said this. There is a Pulitzer Prize waiting for a journalist out there somewhere who really seriously wants to tackle this story. Uh, it could be one of the greatest conspiracies, one of the greatest crimes of all time, the aerosolized uh, spraying or aerosolized particles, uh, coal fly ash, uh, aerosolized and uh, uh, mixed into jet fuel and sprayed daily, practically 24-7 around the globe. And uh, this is being used to artificially um, to modify the weather, increase global uh, temperatures. Although that hasn't been really, hasn't been that successful, uh, as far as I can tell. I mean, we, um, it stalled for a while, the so-called global warming. And, um, uh, as near as I can tell, I mean, our greatest concern is probably uh, we're heading into a period of global cooling based on the, uh, the sunspot activity, which is just basically, uh, coming to a complete standstill. We haven't seen this since the, the you know, the, the last mini ice age. Uh, however, that's not going to keep them from uh, trying, I suppose. Well, I, I think I think it's more than just causing global warming. It's causing global uh, catastrophe uh, that can be blamed on climate change, right. which is their word for global warming. Right. They've moved the goalposts. It's not about global yeah. warming. Anything, uh, if there's a hurricane in Somalia, it's it's uh, because of uh, climate change. Yeah. Um, now, do you, are there people out there dutifully collecting samples of soil and rainwater and uh, around the world and, and uh, having it tested for you? There, there are, there are some people doing that, yes. And uh, what's, what's, what I would like to invite your listeners to do, if there's anybody who who has the the app for the uh, uh, the iPhone or whatever phone that where you can take a picture of the trails and see the the planes that are identified, boy, I tell you, I would like some high resolution pictures of those and the sky with a note saying I'm free to publish those. Now, that is a brilliant idea. So you get the app, which basically is a receiver for the transponder that's aboard the aircraft? As I understand it. And that will, it, that'll, that'll spit out a number, I suppose, that you can use to identify the, uh, the make well, and the model it, of the well, aircraft? What, I, what I've seen, and, and I don't know this from anything else, but it, it puts out a little box where the plane is that identifies the flight. And then there's some more information about where it's coming from and 
the time and where it's going, that sort of thing. Fascinating. All right. Then the, and Jim in Ohio also had a, a great idea. If you live near one of these coal fly ash heaps, I suppose, let's put some citizen investigators on this case. Let's follow these trucks and find out where they're taking it. Well, I'd like to suggest something. Yes, please. Everybody hates attorneys. <laughs> for, for good reason. Unless probably. you need one. But you need attorneys. And the one good service that attorneys do is by having class action lawsuits. I mean, the gym that I belong to uh, reneged on an agreement uh, about not ever increasing the, the, the yearly fees. And somebody, some group of attorneys started a class action lawsuit, and they will make millions out of it. But the, the gym certainly had to buckle down and change its ways. So I, what I'm hoping is that some really aggressive and well-funded attorneys will get together and go after, not the government, because the government's hard to, to go after, but go after the suppliers of the coal fly ash. Get the evidence where it's coming from, where it's going, how it's being used, and and sue those on behalf of millions of people. Uh, that that would make uh, that would uh, change the the landscape significantly. Couldn't we just get a hold of um, I don't know where commercial airlines where they go to buy their jet fuel, but couldn't we just test that? That would be interesting. Now I don't imagine there's uh, you can you can cause any solid to to dissolve in a in a fluid by adding the right kind of uh, surfactants. Surfactant is like a soap, something that affects the the surface of the particle, keeps it suspended. Um, yeah, that would be interesting to to have jet fuel and have it. Um, uh, it it wouldn't be at a very high concentration because, of course, well, actually, you could probably calculate almost what the concentration might be based on the, the plane's use of the fuel. But yeah, that would be something nice as well. Uh, and especially if it were tied with these, like this one pilot's observation, that flights from certain airports don't show the trails, whereas from other airports they do. Uh, and it's I, I'm, I, there's no doubt they're using massive tankers to dump the stuff in the air in large quantity as well. Right. I mean, this is... Uh, now, if people are sending in soil samples and rainwater samples, uh, unless the lab knows exactly what to test for, they're not going to find it, right? Or am I wrong? Right. Now, I, I, I published a short paper. It's one of those I mentioned on my website that describes how to take samples for measurement. Um, and, and they need to read that. It's hard just to take a, a soil sample, for example, because there's so many other things in the soil that, that it's almost impossible to tell. Or taking a piece of bark off of a tree, that you, you just can't do that very well. But you can take snow samples, rain samples, and what would be interesting for people to do is to take a, some large snow samples, especially when the snow first falls, and let the liquid evaporate, slowly evaporate, so that at the very end you just have 
a little bit of powder in 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 a little bit of liquid. That's what I'd like to see because okay. I'd I'd like to get that uh, that powder under a scanning electron microscope. And then presumably you're going to find chromium and thallium and mercury and uranium. Well, you, you, and presumably you will find the arsenic. The material that 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 is characteristic of coal fly ash. But there would be no other explanation. I mean, you you couldn't rule. You could you rule everything else out but coal fly ash if that were the case. Well, you you would. Uh, that's what that is. That's what it is. Then the only question that that you would have is: Are you immediately downwind from a a, a coal fired power plant? Or are you out in the the, the Areas where there are none locally, but 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 you you stipulated off the top though that that uh, that coal fly ash isn't coming out of those those smokestacks. Well, it's not supposed to. Right. You you could assume that some maybe leaks out. Okay. That's the argument that would be made. But what what this is is basically uh, a uh, it's an accumulation of evidence that 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 points to this. So far, we don't have anything that we can say with absolute certainty, but we can say that uh, that the evidence to date is uh, is uh, characteristic of coal fly ash. Uh, so, I mean, I, I it's that at some point it would be nice to have samples from up above. I'd like to have samples from. Uh, jet aircraft filters, air filters that fly high in that area. And I'm hoping that when we get the word out to people in the aircraft industry, especially about the risks for lung cancer and neurodegenerative disease, that some of the, uh, the pilots who are, and the, the air crew who are exposed to this on a daily basis up high, I hope they will uh, come forth with some information. What's what's the concentration uh, from these samples that <clears throat> that you're getting from around the world? Let's say for ex- like, what do you is, is it the the leachate? Is that what you call it? The leachate is yeah. That's that's when um, when when water takes you know extracts from 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 a solid. Well, it depends on um, what I usually do. It depends on the dilution. Uh, that's always the problem with water or snow. There, there are times when they're they're so dilute that commercial labs can't measure them very well. There's times that they are more concentrated. Now, the way that I'm able to compare one to the other is by ratios, by uh, have, dividing by one of the common constituents. I usually use barium so that the... Uh, we're looking at the comparison of ratios in one water sample to another water sample or in, to a lab laboratory leachate. But again, in, in any sample, you would expect to find concentrations of these, I think you said, 38 different elements that would be found in coal fly ash. Yes, except the problem is that uh, most commercial labs aren't equipped to have the sensitivity to measure all of those. Uh, these were measured at, at, you know, very well equipped laboratories, university or, uh, laboratories that, that, uh, could do that. Most, uh, you probably would be lucky to get, um, uh, the, the major elements. 
you get to the sort of a question when you get when you measure arsenic because it's right just below the the detection limit in uh, most rainwater samples that go to commercial labs. Well, Dr. Hernan, we, we, sadly, we are out of time. We'll have to have you back. Uh, you, thankfully, you're on the case, and you seem to be connecting some serious dots here. The composition of this um, aerosolized uh, particle, uh, these aerosolized particles, uh, you know, have been a mystery um, for some time. But you seem to be getting to the bottom of it. We are thankful for that. Keep on the case. And we will have you back on again. The website again, nuclearplanet.com, and you can see the studies there. Thank you so much, Dr. Herndon. And thank you. All right, when we come back, the science of Star Trek. Let's lighten it up a bit, shall we?